The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number, Brandon? 197, who cares? I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, as you just heard, Brandon Lee Gowden of bleedinggreennation.com. We're recording this on a Sunday morning. We had practice late uh, on Saturday evening uh, because NFL Network was running sort of a live look-in at all 32 NFL camps. For some reason, that meant that the Eagles camp... Uh, or Eagles practice had to be moved back to 5.30 p.m. For some reason, we didn't get done there until, uh, I'd say, around like 8, 8.30, something like that. Brandon, being the um, the hard worker that he is, put his notes mm. up last night. I put my practice notes up this morning after getting a nice good night of sleep. Uh, and we're going to talk about day four of practice with you now. Brandon, how did you like the night practice? Jimmy? I liked it from the standpoint that, again, this is something that fans don't care about, but uh, <laughs> we were in the shade, so we weren't like cooking in the sun the whole time, so right. that's nice. Uh, also, you know, a little bit just... The players probably like that. Sure. There's that, and different energy, too, uh, you know, because you're, you're awake. It's it's in the evening. You know, it's not like, you know, it's still kind of in the morning, and you're still right. maybe a little bit groggy, or, you know, you're just kind of getting things together. Um, so that was fun. Before we get into more of the notes here, Jimmy, obviously, I want to break it down for the people... So there was some confusion I saw in our mentions from the last podcast I did. And I mean, this is on me. I'm not the best speaker. So it's kind of interesting that I've had a podcast for about 10 years now. But uh, the sponsor of this podcast is Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. So that's R-I-G-H-T-E-O-U-S-F-E-L-O-N. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15%. No, I, I botched it, Jimmy. It's terrible. BGN15 for 15% <laughs> off. Hey, yeah. And wildnaturepet.com. Wildnaturepet.com. BGN15 for 15% off. All right. Bugs out what of the way, was Jimmy. the confusion? Uh, I just don't speak clearly. So I, I think like people can't always understand. I'm saying uh, righteous okay. felon. Okay. I tried to slow it down a little bit. Uh, Jimmy, where do you want to start with today's Eagles training camp practice notes of day four or night four? Really? Night night one? Day four, night one. So I'll just start with sort of a general observation through the first four practices. And uh, that is that I think the defense has pretty much far outplayed the offense, in my opinion. 
and um, give the defense some credit because they have done some nice things. But I think it's probably more of the offense not looking sharp or um, cohesive. And, um, you know, for me, I think that starts with uh, Jalen Hurts. And I don't mean to, you know, be too critical of of Jalen Hurts uh, early on here because, again, it's four practices. It's a small sample size. And you almost sort of expect you know, the, the, the offense maybe to come out a little bit slower. Uh, but, um, I, I guess if there was any hope of Jalen Hurts coming out and showing that he has, uh, substantially like improved, uh, his accuracy from the jump, um, that really hasn't happened yet. And I think, um, sort of the sloppiness of the offense that we've seen through the first four practices is sort of, um, uh, a product of Jalen Hurts' style of play. And I noted this in my practice notes, but you know, there are certain types of players that are less likely to stand out, uh, in these types of practices. Notably, you know, the practices where they're still in just shells and shorts and just helmets and, 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 and shoulder pads or whatever, as opposed to full pads where, you know, a lot of the guys that are sort of like, you know, like the quick, fast kind of players are going to stand out in those kind of practices. Whereas like a power running back, you know, typically isn't going to impress as much in like seven on sevens, for example, than he would in like a, a live tackling session. Cause it's just not his game or like a big run stuffer, uh, defensive tackle is going to have a hard time, you know, sort of standing out than a guy that's, you know, quick and, and can win with, um, you know, quick twitchy, you know, pass rush moves and that, and that kind of thing. And I think in the same way, uh, Jalen Hurts's strengths don't sort of, um, they, they aren't, they aren't accentuated in these types of practices. Whereas, and I noted this again in the practice notes, but, um, you know, Sam Bradford often looked like a stud like during training camp practices. And, and then when the real games happened, you know, he didn't because his game just didn't translate to live action with, you know, bodies flying around him and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't want to get, you know, too, I don't want to be too much of an alarmist here, but I will say that early on, and you've already noted this too in previous uh, podcasts, you know, he hasn't gotten the ball out quickly. Mm. He's held onto the ball for an eternity and he did that, you know, in real games last year. I think we've seen that carry over into these first training camp practices. He hasn't been accurate. I think there have been a lot of throws that were easily makeable that he has, he's missed uh, so far in these first four practices. And um, the one thing that I, that I've sort of mentioned throughout the first few podcasts is that I, I want to see him, you know, sort of try to correct some of his deficiencies instead of being very quick to take off and run. And I think he's pretty much done that. Like, I think he's tried to, to operate from the pocket and get better at, at, um, you know, sort of some of the things that, that he's uncomfortable with. And, you know, July and August are the times that you fix those deficiencies. So I think he's, I think he's shown the effort in terms of trying to fix, you know, some of the areas where he's maybe not as comfortable. But early on, I mean, he has struggled in, in my opinion. And, and because of his struggles, I think the offense has looked, uh, sloppy, uh, for the most part. There have been some good throws, like on day four, he had a really nice throw down the sideline to Zach Ertz, who beat, uh, Elijah Riley on a wheel route. So there are moments like that that you can see where he makes nice plays. But I think for the most part, um, you know, the offense has looked sloppy and, and it's an area that, that needs improvement as we continue on in camp here. So a couple of things to unpack there for me. First of all, I agree that, you know, the defense might have been benefiting from that, but I also think the defense has looked energetic. And before practice, Nick Sirianni talked about how, uh, you know, the defense is really flying to the ball and that's not, that's not just like lip service. Like they really have been flying to the ball. They're very active. Um, Jonathan Gannon kind of brings a lot of energy himself as a defensive coordinator. And I think the players are bringing that too. Um, seem to be playing with a lot of confidence. So I think that's a positive. Um, 
on the Hertz note, a couple things on Hertz. I, I think he's been up and down. And if I had to do winners and losers, which I will do for Bleeding Green Nation today, Jimmy, I haven't done it yet. But as we're recording this on Sunday, August 1st at 9.26 a.m., I'll be writing that later today. I'm going to put Jalen Hurts in my losers. And I might put him in my I don't knows if I was putting that as a category too, which mm-hmm. I might. Um, but I think when you add the context that like the clock is ticking on Jalen Hurts, this isn't like he's, you know, he has all this time in the world to evolve. Yeah. And which I might think- not be fair to him, by the way. Like if he were a first yes. round pick and they were willing to have patience with a guy like yes. him, then, you know, I, I think it's a different story. But, uh, yeah, him being a second round pick and they're armed with all these future mm-hmm. first round, first or second round picks. <laughs> um, you know, you're right. Like the clock is ticking on him and it's maybe unfair that he has yeah. to sort of, uh, progress faster than other, uh, you know, rookie or second year quarterbacks are, are, you know, they're, they're given more time to grow. And I just haven't seen like any kind of night and day evolution. And it's early in camp. And, you know, we'll see if things change in the game, the games, the real games when those start. So, you know, no one's writing off Jalen Hurts just yet, but I just haven't been, I haven't seen enough to make me feel like, oh, wow, this is like a different player. I feel extremely confident in him now. Uh, he had a bad throw on Saturday evening where he tried to get the ball over TJ Edwards. I believe it was on a seven on seven and he just didn't get it high enough. And, and TJ Edwards picked him off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, just not great. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think we've seen enough from Jalen Hurts to inspire the most confidence in the world. It is not the end of the season, but it's, it's an issue. It's not, I think he's been up and down to start camp. So what's your first, uh, takeaway other than, uh, Hurts in the offense? So I led my practice notes on Saturday night with the fact that I mean, I just don't understand how Jordan Mailata cannot be the starting week one left tackle, <laughs> right, especially right. if things just continue to accelerate at this rate where I think Andre Dillard, like, I'm just not seeing big mistakes from him, whereas with, right, Jordan Mailata, I'm not seeing big mistakes with him, as with Andre Dillard, I am. I mean, he got toasted by Derek Barnett in one-on-ones yet again. I saw him get beat by Josh Sweat uh, in team drills once again. So I'm just not seeing how this should even be a battle if this goes on much longer. I mean, I guess they're going to drag this out. But to me, like, I mean, if this continues for the next couple of weeks, like, I don't think you need to mess around at some point and just like, like, my lot is the guy. Like, stop messing around with this. That's just my, my lot is, my lot is better is, yeah. <laughs> is really, uh, how I simply put it. Um, the Barnett, uh, play that you mentioned during one on ones, it wasn't even a good pass rush move. <laughs> Frankly, like he, he did an inside spin. It was actually like a fake inside spin, and then he spun back to the outside, and it was like kind of slow and clunky, and it still beat him. And Dillard had, you know, no other choice but to hold him, and he held him, and it was obvious to everyone watching that it was a hold. And, uh, you know, he was sort of, sort of shaking his head as, uh, as, as he left, uh, after that rep. Hmm. Did recover. Uh, Barnett tried to dip around the edge. Um, you know, he tried to get low and dip around the edge, and Dillard put him on the ground. So he did, he did regroup. It wasn't all horrible, uh, yesterday, but, um, you know, so he had a really bad, really, really bad day two. I think he was a little bit better on day three and he was better on day four than he was on that day two. But th- there are these moments seemingly in every practice that he's getting beat. Meanwhile, Mylotta, um, the one thing that I pointed out again in the practice notes was, you know, there was, there was a rep during one on ones where he just stoned, uh, Josh Sweat and mm-hmm. it was, it was a very clear win for Mylotta. And yeah, like Jeff Stoutland was like all over Mylotta. Um, like he, like it was even a profanity mixed in there. Uh, he didn't like something about the way that uh, you know Sweat had beaten him uh, with his hands. I mean, there was just some small 
like uh, finer detail that you know my lotta lost on on that particular rep and he was all over him and i actually think that's a great sign for my lotta because in years past like stoutland might have praised him for winning the mm-hmm. the rep and um you know now he's getting on him for for you know not being perfect on sort of the finer details which uh, i think says something and i and like i don't i haven't seen stoutland uh all over dillard in the same way and in a weird way, I think that's, you know, better for my lotta. Like that, I think, I, I don't want to, you know, get into the head of Jeff Stalin here or whatever, but, um, you know, he, he seems to like really take, uh, you know, especially, um, special interest in, in correcting, uh, some of the things that, that he thinks that my lotta is doing, uh, incorrectly, uh, which again, I, I think is a, is a positive sign for Jordan my lotta. But for, for you, but I, but I agree with you. Like, in my opinion, like, this really shouldn't even be a camp battle. Like, I think just Mylotta is the clearly better player. Yeah. I think they just should call it at a certain point. Like, mm-hmm. if this, again, if this continues at this rate, like, it just, uh, feels like a charade otherwise. I mean, maybe, you know, you want to bring it into the preseason and see how they do in a preseason game. But like, I mean, if, you know, Dillard sucks in the preseason and Mylotta's good, like, you know, how long are they going to keep checking sure. it on? But whatever. Um, what's your next thing? So uh, I'll stay with the offensive line here, and I'll note just quickly that um, you know, Jack Driscoll has been impressive hmm. in the uh, one-on-ones. Like yesterday, for example, you know he was going up against you know sort of like high-level edge rushers. He's going up against Ryan Kerrigan and Brandon Graham, and he was beating them. Like he was he was handling guys like that. And uh, the Kerrigan matchup, we've seen a lot of that actually so far throughout camp, and it's sort of like a rematch of the Week One uh, matchup hmm. against Washington last year. Where Lane Johnson was a late scratch for that game, if you if you recall, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Dil- uh, Driscoll had to fill in sort of um, like late, and they didn't change their game plan seemingly because Driscoll was basically tasked with blocking guys like Kerrigan and Chase Young and Montez Sweat one on one, like like they didn't give him much help, and he held up. Like I thought he held his own in that game. Definitely outplayed, uh, you know, Jason Peters in that game. And uh, I just think he looks really comfortable in pass protection, which is really what matters most from the offensive tackle as a run blocker. And I did like an I did like a deep dive on Jack Driscoll pretty early in the uh, offseason this year. But as a run blocker, he's like nowhere near as good <laughs> as, as he is in pass protection. And we saw uh, Brandon Graham sort of blow him up uh, on a run play. But again, that, that matters far less than being able to protect the quarterback. So it's going to be interesting where the Eagles – you know, ultimately play him because, uh, he's definitely like a legitimate NFL player. Uh, at some point, I imagine he'll get a, an opportunity to start somewhere along the line. It's probably not going to happen this year, but at some point he will. And there's sort of like questionable areas for him at every spot because at offensive tackle, like he's, he can, he can bat, like he's skilled, but he's at a disadvantage because he doesn't have ideal height or arm length. If he plays at guard, like he's got a ways to go in terms of adding strength before he can play there, in my opinion. Because and he doesn't really rep there much, right? Like if if um you know the twenty nine if, if the twenty twenty season weren't you know shortened by COVID, they probably would have cross trained him at guard and maybe also even center. Uh, but they didn't. They just stuck to one position for each of the rookies, and they started him at, at tackle. But I think he's clearly more comfortable there than he is anywhere else. And maybe the Eagles realize that he probably can't play guard right now because he doesn't. I don't think he has like enough functional strength to hold up on the interior. Um, 
center. Like his football IQ seemed good as a rookie. So, and he didn't like shrivel from difficult assignments. So I could see him, you know, maybe playing there, but maybe the answer is like, he can be like sort of a jack of all trades, which, you know, he can come off the bench and, and play any position, which is really sort of a valuable skill in the NFL. And, and on offense, and obviously we saw with the Eagles last year, you know, they had the 14 different starting offensive line combinations. So I think he's going to be sort of a valuable player uh, to this team for, for at least the next three years. I just thought of something while you're talking there, like the fact that, you know, you saw Matt Pryor coming in for Brandon Brooks at right yes. guard, like instead of Driscoll, like a little dis- disappointing <laughs> in terms of what maybe they should be doing. But anyway, kind of sticking with the offensive line, Jimmy, um, I feel like there may have been some issues or maybe some issues here with pass protection and stuff. And part of that might be on Jalen Hurts holding the ball, like inviting pressure. Mm-hmm. But I think the run blocking has looked pretty good, especially like from what you could tell in training camp. And obviously, you know, these running backs can't be tackled. But I, I swear we've seen a number of runs where like they're not even getting touched. Like the running backs are like, you know, getting to daylight. And to their part, like Miles Sanders had a nice run on Saturday evening where he found a hole and he took off and he like stiffed armed the last defender that was in his way to the end zone. And then Jason Huntley just like found daylight and he was just gone. Like no one was catching him. Yeah. Speed. Um, yeah. So I just feel like I, I, I mentioned it from those guys. I mentioned it from Jordan Howard. There's been some r- good run blocking as a whole this far, which I guess is, you know, exciting for people who want to see that. And also in the run game, I should mention, it seems like last night to me, maybe more than any other practice this far, saw a lot of designed quarterback runs. Like, Jalen Hurts was taking off immediately. Like, you know, you snap, he was just taking off. So I feel like we saw more of that. And, uh, you know, that's interesting to note because, you know, it's kind of like a question. Are the Eagles going to build, you know, this offense? Like a lot of people, you know, right. talk about like, a little like a Lamar Jackson kind of offense where Jalen Hurts is running a lot. I don't know if he's running that much, but uh, it seems like they definitely do uh, have plans to use him in that way, which they should. Yeah. I mean, if they're looking to maximize the number of wins for the, specifically for the 2021 season, then they should sort of design an offense similar to what Baltimore is doing. Um, of course, and we've noted this on the podcast, I believe, but of course, like there's the, uh, you know, the athletic piece that came out earlier this off season that sort of noted that, um, you know, Jeffrey Lurie would <laughs> sort of like, mm. uh, micromanage Doug, uh, notably, uh, against the, the Packers, uh, was that week Bills. four in 2019, yeah. um, when they had a run heavy attack, and it worked like fantastically. <laughs> you know, they were underdogs, heavy underdogs in that game, and they wind up winning that game largely because they were able to run the ball so effectively. Um, so I don't know if they'll let Nick Sirianni design an offense that sort of accentuates the run game and, you know, what they have in terms of personnel with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and even some of these other, you know, younger running backs that might be able to contribute, or if they're going to be sort of stubborn and they're going to try to have this pass heavy offense that um, maybe not uh, that might not accentuate the, the, the skill sets of, of Jalen hurts and, and really just uh, the, the kind of personnel that they have offensively. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch, but um, yeah, as you note, as they did have a, a bunch of design runs, which would, you know, maybe indicate that there's some, maybe they are going to, you know, sort of allow there to be more of a, a mix of run and pass, which again, you know, I don't think that's the way you build an offense in the NFL. Like I wouldn't design, I wouldn't try to, I wouldn't, you know, strive to have that kind of offense in the NFL. I think they're kind of right that they, that they understand it's a passing league, but with the roster they currently have, you know, that, that type of scheme probably would give them the best chance of winning as many games as possible. Well, and also seeing how, how effective Hurts can be, 
because you know yes. if he's you're building this offense and it is like he is Lamar Jackson and he's like mm-hmm. an MVP candidate. Well, then you know you're gonna buck the trend and go with what works. Sure. Also, I think the importance of evaluating Nick Sirianni and like if he can truly kind of coach to his player strength. Like, mm-hmm. like there's maybe there isn't value in building this run heavy offense because Hertz isn't going to be your long term quarterback. But you can kind of see okay, well Sirianni did this and now we have confidence he's going to be able to adjust to the next guy. So exactly, you know, I think there's value in uh in doing that. But Jimmy, why don't we take a break here? Before before we get into your next observation and why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors first before then I tell you about something. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 856-906-92. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five nine two nine five. Well, I thought you were gonna actually live read it because I don't no, think no. we're inserting it. But um, <laughs> yeah, let's insert that bad boy. Okay, we'll just insert that there, <laughs> and I will also tell you. Well, I'll, I'll I'll do this coming back from break. Okay. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio 197, who cares, going over day four of Eagles training camp. It's actually a night practice. Uh, you heard about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors from Jimmy and Krista. Let me tell you now really quickly about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can go to and get by going to RighteousFelon.com using discount code BGN15%. I keep combining the percentage with the, the discount code. This is where my brain is at four days after training camp um bgn 15 for 15% off the best dang craft jerky and other snacks that they have and gear and other things at righteousellen.com so go do it right now okay jimmy what By is the your way, next um, observation well real quick on righteous felon so like some of like the negative reviews that i that i i almost never like read the reviews on itunes but i did uh, wow recently like hate some of the Jimmy bad hates ones are the listeners like, <laughs> i just i don't know so i just stay away from review sometimes but uh some of the like mm. the negative ones were because <laughs> you do commercial reads for righteous felon and it's yeah. like well do you like rate breaking bad one star because they had mm. commercial like they had commercials for you know downy dryer sheets like are you kidding mm. me anyway uh next observation is also uh, wait one more thing to me the podcast is free people like you're not paying <laughs> for the podcast like you know <laughs> just putting that out there all right <laughs> all right so i think uh well let's go to special teams here because jake elliott had his worst season as a pro 
in 2020 hmm. and not only missed a bunch of kicks, but he missed some short kicks too. And he, that guy needs a bounce back season in 2021 to, you know, sort of make sure that he's on the team in 2022 and beyond. And, um, Saturday night was the first time in, you know, in the four practices that, uh, he, he kicked field goals and he's off to a bad start. Like he, he missed his first field goal from 33. It was no good wide, right. Uh, next field goal was from 38, barely squeaked that in, uh, made three in a row from 43, 40, and then 43, 44. And then he missed another one from 49. Uh, wide left. So um, not the start that I'm sure he was looking for uh, in his first kicks of training camp. But um, I think that's a, an area of concern uh, this season um, and going forward because he got a big contract and he's not going anywhere this year. Like he's, mm-hmm. if it costs more to cut him than it would to keep him. Doesn't. So they're just, it doesn't. Nope. At this point, because of after June one, you know, obviously uh, I'm, I've looked this up before, and I'm double checking it right now. I'm pretty sure they cut him for zero uh, money. They they don't lose any cap space. It would be no savings, and they wouldn't lose anything. It's just zero. But they would lose something the next year, though. Uh, I guess. Let me let me look it up real quick. Good. Uh, <laughs> good job. Anyway, but I'll talk I through guess. it as I look this up. Um, he he missed two out of four, and uh, oh, okay, I got it right here. Um. Pre June one, post June one. It's four million in dead money. So it'd be no. dead money. It'd be uh over three million in dead money on the uh twenty twenty two cap if you cut them this year. It'd be a it'd be a savings this year mm-hmm. of uh, just a little under a million, and then their dead cap in twenty twenty two would be uh yeah like roughly one point five million. Mm. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know where you're getting these numbers three, from. 3.5 million. Okay. It'd be roughly 3.5 million in dead cap in 2022, but you'd have the million dollar savings. So like your overall dead cap would be 2.5. Yeah. But if he just stinks, like if he stinks, then they're just going to have to move on. Like if he's absolutely like a train wreck, terrible, then I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if he's that bad, then you'll move on. Yeah, I guess. But I think for, to, to do that, he'd have to be like horrible. Mm-hmm. Like he'd have to miss like, you know, like seven in a row, four out of his first five kicks or something like that for them to consider something like that. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon, or at mm-hmm. least this year. But uh, like I mentioned, if he doesn't pick it up and, um, you know, kind of get back to where he was in 2020, in 2017, 18, 19, um, then, yeah, I mean, they, they have a problem at that spot and they're going to have to bring somebody else in and, you know, look this off season at, at a new kicker because, um yeah, again, last year, what was he, with like 71%, something like that? It was a career um, worst in terms of field goal percentage and extra point percentage. And extra point. I mean, what did he miss? Three extra points, something like that? Two I or forget, three. but it is but kind of funny whatever. how, like, you know, Jake Elliott coming off his worst year, Aaron Sibas, new punter, and there's just no competition, like, in camp for yeah. either of them. Like, at least one of them. Um, so, interesting. Uh, that's your next thing. Or that was your thing, Jimmy. That leads me to my next thing, which I am double checking because uh, I totally lost where I wanted to go. You know, I oh. love what Mike Francesa does. Like when he's thinking like that, he'll just go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I like should have mentioned seconds of that. <laughs> Should have, should have mentioned here that I meant to mention earlier that Devontae Smith did not finish practice, got a little banged up 
from what I saw, he kind of like so he went for like a catch and the ball was kind of down low. low. Yeah, and he also landed on the ball, which I feel like sometimes players get hurt when that happens, like when they yes. land on the ball weird. Um, apparently, you know, it's a leg injury. It's not considered to be serious. He was still at practice for the rest of practice. Like he didn't leave and go back into the Novacare facility or even get looked at in the trainer's tent. Like he was just on the sideline. So, you know, it seems like it's not too terrible. Um, so that's good. Um, I think that's about it, Jimmy. I mean, I have a couple small notes here that I can run through, like Joe Osman, who has been rotating, you know, with Gerard Avery for the first team, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like that, you know, rush slash like why line out really wide linebacker role. Um, he had a nice play where he like, he recognized a design run from Hertz and he was in the backfield. Obviously you can't actually tackle him, but he was like, right. He, he had him lined up and squared up in the backfield. Jonathan Gannon really liked that. Um, you know, it was really popped to me, Jimmy is T Y McGill. Yes. <laughs> Which is, he, like he's, he's made a play, I think almost about every day. Um, he sacked Joe Flacco and he, I think he also batted down a Flacco pass at the line of scrimmage at one point today. Yeah. Um, or sorry, yesterday, getting my days mixed up. So he's popped. It's kind of weird. Like, so it's a weird player to like, for me to bring up because like, I think he's like, what, 29? Like, he's not this long-term piece I'm right. excited about. And like, you're, I think you're talking about DT four or five. Like, I don't even know, or maybe three, but like, He's popped, so I'll mention that. Um, Kenny Gainwell muffed another punt. I don't think we'll be seeing him do that. I didn't notice Jalen Rager drop any when he was doing some punt returns, so that's a good thing. Uh, I also saw Marlon Tui-Pelotu had a rep in one-on-one where I didn't see the full rep because, I'm, again, I'm trying to watch one-on-one and seven-on-seven at the same time, but I saw the defensive line like praise him. like There was like clapping for him after it, mm-hmm. so kind of the first thing I've... It's the first time I've even really noticed him in camp, so that's, I guess, a good thing for him. Uh, and then Daquan Bailey, undrafted rookie free agent, had an actual forced fumble on Nick Mullins, which caused... Uh, oh, I couldn't tell if that just slipped out of his hand or not. I didn't no. have you on that, but Jake Juan Bailey knocked that yeah. out, huh? Okay. Yeah, the angle I had, like he clearly knocked it out, which caused like Jaquan Bailey to like put his hands up and like look around and be like, "Oh, like because you're not supposed to do that." Like, he's like a defensive player, you're not allowed to touch the quarterback. You're really even get near him that close at all. And Tracy Rocker, the Eagles' defensive line coach, kind of looked at him after the play and kind of like wagged his finger. But his teammates loved it; they loved to see it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. nice little play by the rookie there. Um, I guess that's all, about all I had. Well, I have a couple follow ups on okay. um, some of the guys you mentioned there. So Rager. Um, we should note that he's still limited with this lower body tightness as uh-huh. they keep, as they keep classifying it. So, but he, as you mentioned, he did, um, he did take some reps as a punt returner. He did have a, a like a few reps in one-on-ones, but he's still not participating in 11 on 11s. He did have a rep or two in 11 on 11. He did a little bit. I don't think he got a target, but he did. I saw him line up with the, the offense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, JJ got hurt briefly. It looked like that might be a groin pull. Uh, but he was back in there quickly, so it was mm-hmm. probably more just that he got hit in the nuts. <laughs> so like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he was holding his arm. I felt like at one point. Oh, too. his like, arm. Okay. Yeah, it looked it, like it looked he was weird. Okay. And I saw like... him. I saw him get binged up on Friday too. Like he didn't miss anything, but like he was kind of like stretching out a little bit, and like his teammates were kind of like checking in on him. So I okay. wonder if he's kind of dealing with something. But he's he's been he came right back. So uh, yeah. credit to him for for toughing it out and getting back in there. Sure. And you mentioned T Y McGill. Like yeah. And what's funny about him is, so I, I've done all these Eagles player review breakdowns of like sort of, you know, guys that didn't play a ton, or maybe we just don't know much about them, um, that, you know, their, their roles might be elevated this year. So I looked at, you know, and on the defensive side, I looked at, you know, guys like Sean Bradley, Davion Taylor, 
Marcus Epps, uh, Kayvon Wallace, for example. And like in watching those guys, like I didn't watch, I didn't do one on T.Y. McGill, but like in watching those guys, there were a couple times where like a, a player like whose number I didn't, you know, immediately recognize, like made some sort of like quick twitch move, like, like, like flashed on film and like just looked really good for like a player or two. And it, like twice I had to look up who it was and it was T.Y. McGill. So like he's got some ability and, um, I think he's sort of like an overlooked player in terms of guys who have a chance of making this team. But yeah, I think he's got like legitimate skill and, and, and could, you know, maybe be part of the rotation. Exciting stuff. Yes. T.Y. McGill, part of the Eagles defensive line rotation. And I've heard other reporters talk about it, like talk about him during practice too. Like, oh, did you see that? What, what, what number? Actually, you know what? Let's the number game real quick. Or 66 or it's not a good number. It's a bad number. I forget. Let's um, play the number game. Brandon during practice yeah. yesterday. Gave me, he was, he quizzed me on some numbers and like some of them were like, the first few of them were like evil, like no, like, and I got some of those right, but then he, he hit me with other ones that, uh, that okay. I didn't get. So let's return the favor on the podcast yeah. here. All right. Uh, Riveting listening. 33. Well, I mean, the, the, the yeah. listeners can try to yeah. figure it out too. 33. Play along at home. Um, I'm going to say it is. It's offense you're looking for or defense? Let's give me them both. There's there's, 30, there's 33 on offense and defense. Okay, so offense is easy. It's Elijah Holyfield. Mm-hmm. Um, defense, uh, 33 on defense. I'll circle back to that. Give me another one. <laughs> I don't want to just like be, oh, uh, I'm thinking. It's okay. I'll, I'll write down 33. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the one that you got me on yesterday. I just I just couldn't figure it out. 21. Mm-hmm. 21 is Andrew Adams, who hasn't been practicing yet, which is on the COVID list. Still. 21 like, sounds like, you, like it's a number that like when they say it, that's what he says, you should feel like you should get it because it's such a good number. And I just couldn't. I couldn't. Who do you think know. of when you think of 21? I mean, I think Patrick Robinson could be an easy answer, but outside of him, who do you think of when you think of 21? I mean, I goes? thought of Mills because that's what he was last year. Oh, I think of Jose Leo Hansen. That's yeah, number okay. 21 to me. Yep. Uh, all right. 47. Give me offense and defense. Is Jack Stoll on offense? Uh-huh. Uh, and that was actually he changed because he was 85 until Dick Rod resigned and then he had to switch to 47. Okay. And then on defense, uh, I think it's Levert Hill. That's correct. That's well yeah. done. Yeah, actually, the Birds <laughs> with Friends guys made the point that uh uh Jack Stoll, uh another another white Nebraska guy wearing yeah. 47. There you <laughs> after go. Nate Gary for so many years. Uh Hmm. Let's go with you. Got me on, or you asked me this one yesterday, and I got it. Sixty-one. Uh-huh. Sixty-one is Raekwon Williams. And who is it on tackle. offense? And on offense, it's <laughs> I forget who it is on offense. Uh, it's not. Uh. Harry, no, it's not Harry Crowder. This is very hard. Um, uh, offensive lineman, obviously. It is an offensive lineman. Um, is it a guard? Is it interior? He plays both. Okay. Oh, he's a vers- He's a versatile offensive line piece. Sixty-one versatile. Um, I forget, man. The Raven Clark. Oh wait, I thought he's sixty-one. Yeah, that's what it says on the sheet here. Okay. Yeah, I guess he is. Unless I was he thinking, changed. Uh, yeah, you're right. I just had 66 in my head for him for some reason. 
All right, so 66. Because yeah, you, Ro- you asked me this, yeah. and I got them both. Ross, I was impressed Pierce, with yeah. Baker. Uh-huh. And, and then on defense. Some defensive tackle, um, but not a good one. So who would that? Or no, it's uh, Jaquan Bailey. Jaquan Very Bailey. good. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll give you one more. Yeah. I think well, let's, let's we'll circle back to we'll circle about thirty three, and then I'll give you one more. Who's thirty three okay. on defense? Thirty three. It's a defensive back. Uh, it's probably a corner. Um, who are the corners on this roster? Uh, it is. It's not Josiah Scott because he's forty six. Um, it's not Levert Hill. It's not Jaquette. Who am I missing? It's not McPherson. It is. Not Shaquille Taylor because he's thirty six. <laughs> who am I missing? Like who am I not <laughs> saying that is on the team? A cornerback. It's not Slay. It's not uh, Steve Nelson. Not Steven Nelson. Steve Nelson. Um, that's the Tim Jernigan thing, by the way, which I don't love. It's like we've been calling this player by the same right. name for years, and now we're <laughs> like, if he wants to be called it, then fine. You know, respect How the guy. How dare him? How dare him? Decide what he like, wants to be called. How is this being changed retroactively? <laughs> it's just like the Kelsey Kells thing that came up. It's like we're not saying it differently after saying it the same way for like ten years. Like what is this? Um, I don't know who thirty three is. It's Obi. Oh, that's yeah, that's a tough one. Obviously, I haven't seen him practice much. That's why. All right, one well, one more. Eighty. I don't even. I guess I didn't really. I think I saw. Obi on the sheet last night, but I didn't really see it. He's um, huge, by the way. I mean, 80s, we all know, yeah. like he's six four two, whatever two twenty something. He looks it like that guy is that guy is an obvious player that you can't miss on the field. Eighty is Tyree Jackson. That's correct. All right, good all recovery. Right. Could have done better. Um, uh, where were we at, Jimmy? Jeez, I freaking. Don't I think we were we pretty much up. wrapping up. Well, we had to get to MVPs, LVPs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. So, so uh, play of the day. Winner of the day, loser of the day. Yeah, give me your MVP unless you need me to do it first. I'm going to go loser of the day first. Okay. Uh, I'll go Jake Elliott. Yeah, same. <laughs> That's who I had. I mean, you go four or six, you miss a 33-year. It's your, literally your first field goal of camp, and you miss it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you missed it wide right, too. I think the left, the miss from uh, 49 was wide left. Um, not great. Uh, the holds look fine too. Cause I was looking on that, you know, cause Sipos is new as the holder mm-hmm. and I didn't see any issues with that. So I don't think it was like a bad, you know, hold or anything. Um, so yeah, not great. Who's your MVP? I'll go with Miles Sanders. Um, okay. Couple, couple nice runs. And then one thing that I, I didn't mention during the meet of the podcast is, uh, I, I just like it. I just like the way he plays and I like the, I like his, I just like his mentality as a player. Okay, like Mike. we've t- We've talked about uh, Mike. I, I just like, like the way he plays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, we've mentioned that like he's he's like he he understands his deficiencies and he he like he, he like he he admits them and he works to get better at them. So we've already seen him like admit that he was bad as a receiver last year and he's working toward getting better at that. Great, whatever. But uh, t- uh, yesterday. There was a play where it was a QB run, and he was like down the field, like blocking hard mm-hmm. on uh, Zach McPherson. So much so that like Rodney McLeod, who was on pop and was like off to the side, he's going whoa, 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 whoa to, <laughs> to Miles, uh, you know, like as if to say like you know settle down, Miles. And uh, Miles is laughing, and as he's like running back to the huddle, he's like yelling stuff back at uh, at McLeod. So uh, yeah, I think he's just uh, I think he's a team player, and. Um, uh, I just I, I like his I like his mentality as a player and 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 he had a good day yesterday. 
I would not say Miles Sanders has big loser energy, Jimmy. That's the way I would put it. Okay. He does not have that, um, which is good. Uh, my MVP, I wrote down Josh Sweat because I thought he had, he's had a good camp overall mm-hmm. and he had a very active day yesterday where again, I mentioned earlier, he sacked Joe Flacco at one point. I thought he kind of blew up a screen at one point, got some praise for that. He also just got pressure when I think going up against Lane Johnson. So he's lining up on the other side and he got some pressure on hurt. So, you know, he's just been active. He's been looking good. And I also want to read a quick uh, review and a question. I told people here, if you leave a rating and review five stars, obviously, and you leave a question, we will read it. Uh, Jimmy, this comes from FredX greater than weapon X, which, okay, suspect name, but uh, the topic is extending Barnett and sweat. Uh, this, this reader slash reviewer is a Bucks County transplant living in Chicago, and they thank us for making them a home. It's great dialogue on BGN. Uh, what are your thoughts on extending both Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett? What is their position versatility? Can they both play right and left and inside out versatility? Is there enough value in extending both if they primarily rotate off the same edge? How do you foresee the future of the Eagles edge rushers 22 and beyond? So a lot of questions there, but I yeah. guess the, the crux of it, to keep it simple, is... Uh, do you think they can extend both players to me? Yeah. I mean, if they're, so for me, I want to see how Barnett plays this year. Um, I think they probably would have extended him this off season if it were team friendly to do so, but obviously it wasn't. And now they're paying him over 10 million on the fifth year option. So um, to be determined if, you know, they're, they're, like my perception of what their demands may be come down during the season, or if he's proves that he's worth it finally uh, during the 2021 season. And if he is, then yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and extend him because all you have left at that position is Brandon Graham, who is aging and you have Ryan Kerrigan, who is already old and probably on the downside of his career, not probably, but definitely on the downside of his mm-hmm. career. And um, you know, you, all you have left beyond the, you know, Graham and Kerrigan, the, or Barnett and Sweat. So if you can extend them both and it makes sense to do so, absolutely you do it because it's a premier position. It's a position that the Eagles value heavily. And if you don't do it, then you're definitely like, that's that's definitely like a, a high priority, uh, both either in uh, the draft uh, or in free agency going forward. So, you know, they're, they're homegrown guys and that you drafted them. And the more of those guys that you can keep, as long as they're good players, the better I think it is for your franchise. So yeah, if, if they both give you a reason to extend them, like they play well during the first half of the 2021 season, then absolutely. I'd be open to extending both of those guys. Yeah. I don't think like the position kind of matters a whole lot. I think they can both rush from both sides. Like, I don't think that's going to be a deal breaker ultimately, but I, I do think it's only going to be one. Just, you know, if I had to guess, I think that's the most out- likely outcome is they only re-sign one. That's up to the players too. And I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if they both want to be here, especially if the other one is signing an extension and the timing and all that and how that's working out. Cause Brandon Graham's still going to be here next year, probably, right? Like, I don't think I would assume like, so. He wants away. to play like five more years. He said, he, yeah. he said he wants, to, or four more years. He's going into what his eleventh season. He wants to play tw- fifteen seasons. seasons. He's going into his twelfth yeah. season. He's he's eleven seasons deep. And yeah, he said he wants to play fifteen. His goal was to play fifteen years if he can. Yeah, as long as like his body doesn't take a beating over the next few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing he mentioned was uh, 
you know, he wants to be able to play with his kids. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and he said he'd like to go out like Brent Selleck. Like if, so like the Eagles like won a Super Bowl before he got to the 15 years, he'd be done. Right. If they won a Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, the likelihood that he's going to play four more years is probably pretty low. So mm-hmm. yeah, but, but he probably will be back here, uh, for sure. Not for sure, but I, I would say it's more likely than not that he'll be back in 2022 as opposed to a guy like Jason Kelsey who probably is not. Who? What is your play of the day again that you had? I didn't mention it yet, but it would be uh, uh, probably Quez Watkins during wow. uh, one-on-ones where it was a deep throw, but uh-huh. it was underthrown, and he came back, and he outjumped a uh, tall cornerback in Michael Jaquette mm-hmm. uh, for the completion, um, which, again, we don't really – like it's kind of slim pickings, <laughs> kind of picking for the uh, the play of the day most days here. But that would be my play of the day. By the way, Quez Watkins uh, missed the first three practices, and this was his first uh, action. So it was good to see him actually make a play on his first practice of training camp. Yeah, I was going to go with TJ Edwards picking off Dylan Hurts because that was like kind of the biggest play of the day. Okay. But I don't really think that was a like it was a good catch by TJ Edwards because a little high and like. He didn't catch it cleanly at first because it was hard to, but he kind of stayed with it as he went to the ground. So that was a nice play by him. I want to give him credit, but I think ultimately I have to give play of the day to Quez Watkins as well. That's what oh, I did written you? down. <laughs> well, it was such an impressive catch. Okay. It was such an impressive catch. And also like, that's not like necessarily his game, or at least as far as we know yes. it. Like making a, like, like a TO like, like contested, like go yes. up and get it. Um, like that was like, I didn't expect that to see that from him. Like, you know, you're thinking more of like kind of speed from him. So to see him do that, um, that was pretty impressive. And also, you know, he hasn't gotten a lot of love so far. So we'll throw him a bone here too. So that's funny. We both picked Quez. Um, TJ right. Edwards is such an instinctive player too. Like yeah. I, I really like him as a player and he's got like sort of athletic deficiencies or whatever, but, um, it's, I think he's going to probably have sort of like a long career in the mm. NFL, but, you know, maybe not as an impact player, but a guy that just sticks around in the league forever and is a competent sure. linebacker. Sure, absolutely. Um, he's nice for what he is. You know, it's just like yes. when you put him in a role too big, then it's not great. But if, you know, he can do what he's supposed to do and what he can realistically do, then yeah, it works. Uh, any other final thoughts to me before we wrap up here on our off day? Yeah, as you mentioned, it's an off day. We'll be back uh, Monday. And then uh, I don't think they're going to be in pads on Monday is uh, what I what I heard. It looks Tuesday. like on Tuesday will be the first uh, padded practice. And it's been kind of weird. Like <laughs> the practices have been mostly pretty short, like on mm-hmm. uh, like Friday, the practice was like an hour and 10 minutes. So they've been pretty easy practices, which uh, is Uh-oh. fine by me, but Sirianni going soft. They, they, <laughs> they, the practices have been softer than what we're sort of used to from Doug. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's a bad thing or or whatever, but uh, they aren't going to be in pads until, well, I guess the practice yesterday was four, so five on Monday. It would be, it would be until practice number six that mm. they put the pads on, and uh, that's probably the latest that I can ever recall them going without putting the pads on. So we will be back here with the practice again that starts at 10 a.m. on Monday. The Eagles have four straight practices this week before then having off again on Friday. So that's the next little segment we have coming up. We will have daily practice notes on Bleeding Green Nation, Philly Voice. We have daily uh, daily podcast here for you on Bleeding Nation podcast feed. So make sure you rate, review, subscribe, and all that good stuff so you don't miss an episode. And we see that good feedback, and we're, we're energized by your praise that we are giving you the best we can possibly do. <laughs> so thank you for your support. All jokes aside, 
And we will talk to you here next time. Goodbye, everybody. P G N. <laughs>